Psalm 51. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that you would just help us to grow in them. Help us to get something from them. Help me not to ramble on, God. Help me to, to, to open my mouth and let your Holy Spirit speak through me this, tonight, dear Lord, as we look at your word. And God, I pray that you'll be glorified in all that we discuss tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is a psalm of David, and David wrote this psalm after he had sinned greatly by committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband killed uh, to try to cover up his sinfulness. And uh, last week we acknowledged that what David acknowledged was that God was gracious, that David was a sinner, but God was a gracious God. And David gives us a great example in this psalm of what our attitude should be when we find ourselves in sin. Uh, when we have sinned, uh, whether we consider it to be great sin or little sin, however how we want to classify it, when we sin against God, uh, we need to repent of that sin. And David's actions and attitude is what our actions and attitude should follow uh, when we sin. Uh, we'll start in verse 6. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Now, what David realized was that in his sinfulness, he was dirty. He was unclean. We see uh, those words describing sinfulness uh, in the Old Testament. We see that uh, illustration used throughout Scripture that our sinfulness makes us unclean, our sinfulness makes us dirty, our sinfulness makes us nasty. And David says, Lord, make me clean. I want to be made clean. David says, look, I have been a sinner, but God, what you desire is for us to be men and women of integrity. Now, this is true for us too, uh, an integrity that's in the inner self, David says. It's what's on the inside, not what we show people on the outside. We can fool people on the outside, but God wants our heart to be right on the inside. What integrity is, is when we do the right thing when no one is looking. That's how we can know if we are really men and women of integrity. We probably all try to do the right thing when people are looking. But what do we do behind closed doors? And if we still try to do what is right and what is good behind closed doors, even when no one is watching, then chances are we are men and women of integrity. And this is what David says, God, this is what you desire. God, I have been living in sin, but God, I want to be a man of integrity. God, I want to have your wisdom deep within me because our foolishness oftentimes is what leads to our sinfulness. And David knew he had been very foolish in his actions, but he says, God, I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be a man who lives doing evil. I want to be a man who has integrity, a man who is full of wisdom. And the same is true uh, for you and I, or at least it should be. That should be what we desire. In verse 7, he says, <clears throat> Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Now, David recognizes his uncleanness here, but he desires to be <clears throat> whiter than snow. He desires to be perfectly clean. What is 
brighter than snow? Well, really nothing. Snow is about as bright white as you can get. Now, we see this, this kind of language all throughout the Old Testament and especially in the New Testament because when it speaks of Jesus forgiving us of our sins, oftentimes the language that is used is Jesus will cleanse us from our sins. Now, it's interesting how we see this same language both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The very thing that David was asking for is the very thing that Jesus does. He cleanses us from our sins when we come to him. Now, another interesting thing here is the language that David uses. He says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Now, we see that word hyssop on a few occasions in Scripture. <clears throat> now, um, a couple of the most prominent places that, that you may have seen it and not realized it was there. One is in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. When, when God was trying to deliver the Israelites and did deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, they were to paint the doorpost. And in the instruction in Exodus 12, 22, God says, take hyssop, dip it in the blood of the lamb that they had killed, and use the hyssop to paint the blood on the doorpost. And we also see hyssop used with Jesus as he was on the cross. In John chapter 19, as Jesus wants something to drink and they give him the, they give him the, the, the sour wine to drink, and it says they put the sponge on a hyssop branch and lift that to Jesus' lips. Now, those are a couple of, of, of prominent scriptures, big events that we see in scripture, and hyssop is used. Now, what David is saying here, he's not saying that if, if God comes down and he, he takes real hyssop and he, and he rubs it on David, that David is going to be made clean. But he's speaking in a spiritual sense here. He knows that it's only by God that there is going to be this spiritual cleansing that is going to take place. Now, now, hyssop is, a, is an herbal plant. It grows two to three foot tall, has these pretty purple flowers on it. I think maybe uh, some hyssop even grows pink flowers. It's actually a very pretty herb, uh, and, and most herbs don't have blooms that, that, that come like that, but it's something uh, that is used for medication, and it's something that God called for in the law of the Old Testament. In Leviticus, I believe chapter 14, it talks about uh, that's uh, one of the things that's to be used with some of the offerings and sacrifices. Hyssop is to be used. And so it's an herbal plant that was used both in those sacrifices and for medical purposes and, and probably still uh, so today. And G, uh, excuse me, David was saying here, Lord, purify me with hyssop. Now he was probably thinking of, of, of the perhaps what happened back when Israel was delivered or perhaps the sacrifices, uh, but we even see the same type of language used with Jesus. It's, it's beautiful how Scripture really ties itself together, and we see this same language used throughout all of Scripture, not only the purification with the hyssop, uh, but also the idea of being made clean, being made white as snow. David didn't just say, Lord, forgive me and help me to get by, but he's saying, Lord, make me to where I'm perfectly clean. And that should be our prayer too. Uh, and we should know that that's exactly what God does for us. When we ask God to forgive our sins, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he doesn't just get us a little clean. He gets us perfectly clean. By the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, he makes us as white as snow. And we see that same language 
uh, in Revelation where it talks about the bright white clothes of those who are the Lord's. Uh, and we see that, that, that same language all throughout Scripture. And this is what David's saying. Lord, forgive me and purify me and make me as white as snow. Verse 8. <clears throat> Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now, David is wanting to hear something encouraging here, I believe. Now, when we have sinned greatly, probably what we hear in our minds and in our thoughts and what we dwell on is how much we have failed. Uh, we, may, we may hear that we are a failure. We may hear that condemnation that the enemy puts on us. And it's hard for us when we are living in sin, when we are feeling, feeling the guilt of that sin, Boy, it may be hard for us to think uh, any good. It, it may be a lot easier for us to think we are complete and miserable failures. But David says, let me hear joy and gladness. Restore some joy and gladness to my life. God, don't, don't let me give in to and be overcome by condemnation. Now, this is true for you and I as well. Sometimes we feel condemned, even though there is no condemnation in Christ, the Scripture says. Now, the Scripture tells us that truth. And that's a truth we may know, but that does not stop the enemy from trying to make us feel condemned and guilty. Even though we are freed from that condemnation in Christ, even though we are freed from that guilt in Christ, even though our sins are washed away and we are made whiter than snow in Jesus Christ, that does not stop the enemy from trying to make us feel that way. Now, uh, perhaps you have felt such condemnation. Maybe you are feeling it now. Uh, perhaps you were able to overcome those things. You stand on the truth of Scripture, and you don't think twice about them. Perhaps sometimes the devil wins. Maybe he does get you uh, feeling condemned, and he does uh, win some of those battles. But if we are in Christ, ultimately, I believe if we seek God's Word and we pray to the Lord, he will help us to overcome those feelings of condemnation. And maybe this needs to be the prayer we need to utter. God, let me hear joy and gladness. God, in restoring my soul and forgiving my sin and making me as white as snow, God, let me feel your joy. Let me feel your gladness. God, free me from the rebuke that the enemy brings and the condemnation that the enemy brings. But let me feel the joy that you have already given me in Jesus. He says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now, it's possible that David had a broken bone here. Maybe he's speaking physically, but I think he's speaking symbolically here. I think he's saying, God, I am completely crushed. Now, he says here, let the bones you have crushed. He, he acknowledges that, that God has, has brought this feeling on him, that God has brought this conviction on him. And he did, as, as God spoke through the prophet Nathan to get David's attention to help David to realize the sin that he had committed. Boy, David felt that instantly. He knew what he had done. He knew he had sinned greatly, and he felt crushed. Now, he knew the Lord was getting his attention, and sometimes the Lord may allow us to go through things, and we may feel crushed, but it's always for our good, so that when we return to him, we will be restored. And David said, look, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. <clears throat> And maybe that needs to be our prayer. Maybe we need to pray that now. Maybe there will come a time in the future where you will feel the conviction of your sin and you will feel crushed and you will say, all right, God, I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to rejoice in you and I want to rejoice in restoration that's going to come and the joy and gladness that you will bring, that I won't remain crushed by my sin and my condemnation 
but God, I will rejoice in the work that you will do in it. Verse 9, Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God created a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now David says here, look God, don't look upon my sins anymore. This is the same language that goes along with what he said. God, don't look on my sins, blot out my sins, blot out my guilt. God, I'm undeserving of this. He said that at the beginning. But God, be gracious to me because of your mercy, not because of what I have done, but because of your faithful love, God. Don't forget my sin, or excuse me, don't remember my sin. Forget my sin. Blot out my rebellion. Blot out my guilt. God, don't turn or turn your face from my sin, God. Don't, don't, don't look on me as a sinful man, but look on me as a man restored. And he says in verse 10, God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. <clears throat> now, what sin does is that it makes our heart dirty. It makes our heart nasty. That's what sin is. When we are focused on sin, our, our life is unclean. And David recognizes what needs to happen here that his heart needs to change. Now, if we are living in sin and guilty of sin, then guess what? The same is true for you and I. Our heart needs to change. Perhaps that needs to be our prayer, maybe tonight, maybe in the future. God, change my heart. My heart is not where it should be. My attitude is not what it should be. My actions are not what they should be. And all of those things they stem from the overflow of the heart, as Scripture tells us. So whatever comes on the outside, whatever we do, whatever our attitude is, whatever our actions are, they stem from what is on the inside. David said, God, change what is on the inside. Help me to have wisdom on the inside. Help me to have integrity on the inside. Change my heart from a sinful heart. Renew it. Create a new heart within me. That's the same type of language we see in the New Creation. Uh, excuse me, in the New Testament, that in Jesus Christ we are a new creation. That, that that we are a new person in Him. That we do have a new heart. He says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, make me, when you give me a new heart, have a spirit that is going to focus on you, that is going to be devoted to you, that is going to serve you, that is going to be obedient to you, that is not going to turn to the left or to the right. And the same is true for you and I. That when God forgives us, when God restores us, when God changes our hearts, that we say, God, help my spirit to stay focused on you. Help my spirit to trust in you. Verse 11. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, David recognized just how scary it is to think about being separated from God. Now, that's what sin does. Our sin separates us from God apart from forgiveness. And David knew that. He knew that apart from forgiveness, he would be separated from God. But he says, look, God, be gracious to me. Don't turn from me. But God, be gracious to me and restore me, dear Lord God. I don't want to be separated from you, but I want to be forgiven. Now, thank the Lord, we can follow David's example. Our sin will separate us from God. But thank the Lord that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross so that by his blood, we will be covered and we will be made as white as snow, that our sins will be forgiven. And we need to recognize the same truth that David recognized. To be apart from God is not a good place to be. It's the worst possible place to be. 
And David in his sin, at least in that moment, was apart from God. His relationship with God was not what it should be. So he says, God, forgive me, restore me, uh, cleanse me, God, and, and, and let me focus on you. Let me have a new heart. Let me have a heart, God, that will trust in you. And he says at the end of verse 11, uh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, this is an interesting verse. It's one that's, that's, that's good for us to consider uh, when we speak of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's really hard to know if the Holy Spirit worked in the same way in people in the Old Testament as what we see in the New Testament and with us today. Now, you will find Christians that will, that will differ on their, on their opinions there. Uh, some will say that the, the Holy Spirit indwelt in people in the Old Testament in the same way that the Holy Spirit indwells in us. And there are lots of scriptures you could use to argue that point. Uh, and there are other Christians who would say, no, that the Holy Spirit would on occasion come upon people in, in the Old Testament, uh, but didn't dwell in them in the same way, and that that indwelling of the Holy Spirit came uh, at Pentecost, as Jesus had spoken of in the New Testament. Now, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know. It's, it's really kind of hard to, to say. Now, perhaps the Holy Spirit didn't indwell in people. Maybe he did just come upon people. We do see uh, scriptures like Samson, for instance, a couple of instances where it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. We also see uh, a passage in 1 Samuel where it says that the Holy Spirit came upon Saul. And we also see another passage uh, a few chapters later where it says that the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. Now, did the Holy Spirit indwell all people who were righteous and God-seeking in the Old Testament? Uh, maybe he did or maybe he didn't. I would tend to lean toward the fact that, yes, the Holy Spirit did indwell people in some way. That's, that's probably, uh, well, I won't say probably, that is how people uh, would have been led to follow the Lord by his Holy Spirit. Uh, of course, I'll let you study that and, and, and decide that for yourself. Like I said, there are Christians who differ in that. Uh, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit did probably indwell in some way in all believers in the Old Testament, all the people who trusted God in the Old Testament. Uh, I believe it was fulfilled in a perfect way in Jesus Christ uh, when the Holy Spirit came after his resurrection and the Holy Spirit maybe worked in a different way uh, in that time uh, and, and it was in a more perfect way. But I believe that there was probably uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and uh, in, in, in believers in the Old Testament as well in some way, even if those ways differ. Uh, although it could be that the Holy Spirit did just come upon people in the Old Testament and didn't indwell them in the same way. That's an interesting topic. It's one that's worth a lot of study uh, if it piques your interest. And if it does, uh, I printed out uh, three of these things. Uh, this is a pretty good, pretty good, uh, 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 I guess, article, you could say, on this topic. You can read some of the, some of the pros and the cons and the positives for or against both arguments. So if this is something you, you're interesting to uh, study, interested in studying, does the Holy Spirit indwell people in the Old Testament in the same way he did the New Testament? You can grab one of those. I got uh, three of them here. Uh, but, but David recognized that his sinfulness had separated him from God and he did not want to be separated from God. He did not want to lose his connection with God. He did not want God's spirit to leave him. He wanted to be forgiven of his sin. He wanted to be in better relationship with God and he wanted to be cleansed and he knew he could only be cleansed by God. And what a powerful passage this is that points us forward to Jesus Christ. 
because it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven of our sins, that we can be restored, and that we can be made white as snow. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these good words, and I pray that you just would help us to look at them and think about them and soak them in, God. Maybe we need to pray some of these same words that David has spoken in these verses we look at tonight. Or God, maybe there will come a time in the future that we'll need to remember these words, and I pray that you would tuck them away, that you would let your Holy Spirit recall them in our life, God, that if there's sin in our life now or in the future, that we wouldn't live in that sin, but that we would repent of that sin, that we would call out to you, dear Lord, that we would know that we have forgiveness through Jesus. And God, I pray that you protect us against the attacks of the enemy, because he'll make us feel condemned. He'll make us doubt. He'll make us be fearful, dear Lord. He'll make us feel guilty. He'll make us all of those things, God, and he does a good time, a good, uh, he does a good job, dear Lord, sometimes at uh, convincing us uh, of our condemnation and making us think things that simply aren't true. God, let us trust in your word to know when it says that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, dear Lord. We can hold firm to that, that we can not give in to the guilt and the condemnation and the shame that the enemy wants us to feel, but that we can uh, hold on to the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there is any that have never put their trust in Jesus tonight, that they would come to him, that they would seek him, that they would ask for forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would just cleanse our sins, that you would make us as white as snow, God, not that we are deserving of it, but because you are gracious to us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.